So there are several theories for corporate governance, but for the purpose of bar finals, there are two major theories. The first is the agency theory, also known as the shareholders theory, and the second is the stakeholders theory. Welcome to the Fit and Proper Podcast by DigiLaw. Your host, Kemi Ubi, and co-host, Jimo Tayo. Hello, you're welcome back to the Fit and Proper Podcast. If this is your first time with us, it's nice to have you here. I am your host, Kemi Ubi, and with me today is Tayo Jimo. And on today's episode, we'll be talking about corporate governance and corporate law practice. Tayo, you're welcome to today's episode. How are you doing? All right, um, fine. It's good to be here. Hello, everyone. <laughs> okay. So um, since we are discussing um, corporate governance um, today, we're just going to get right down to it. So can you give me a basic overview? Um, that is the meaning and the relevance of corporate governance in corporate law practice. Yes. So corporate governance um, entails um, various systems by which companies are directed and controlled. Right, the concerns here are the internal and external control mechanisms that um, we employ to make sure the company and its organs are in compliance with the laws and various policies and codes in the society that seek to maximize the interest of all stakeholders. So um, we have realized through um, a lot of historical moments that if you allow companies a free role and let them do whatever they like, when those companies fail, especially the large ones like banks, like insurance companies, right? The ripple effect is always felt by everybody in the society and not just the companies or their members alone. So the various codes of corporate governance were initiated to check the recurrence of corporate financial failures that we also call corporate collapse. So the relevance of corporate governance is to make sure that there's accountability as regards corporate entities, there's transparency, there's integrity, there's credibility, there's trust, and all of that, and all of that. So yes, that's, that's, that's corporate governance. Yeah, okay. So um, thanks for that brief overview. So Tayo, what are the different segments of corporate governance? All right. So corporate governance um, for corporate law practice um, actually spans over a couple of weeks. So for today, we're going to be talking about the legal framework that is the laws, the codes, the provisions as regards the organs of the company the meeting of the company and the board of directors. So we're also going to be talking about theories and international best practices when it comes to corporate governance, um, ethical responsibilities, and um, also officers of the company, the directors, the secretaries, the the appointment duties, their status, um, retirement, removal, etc. So we also have like 
membership of a company, meetings of a company, type, types of meetings, resolutions of a company, types of resolutions, and so on and so forth. So we also have um, financial statements of a company, audits, annual returns, majority rule, minority protection, and investigation. So that is that about corporate governance. So, Tayo, let's talk about theories and best practices for corporate governance. All right. So there are several theories for corporate governance, but for the purpose of bar finals, there are two major theories. The first is the agency theory, also known as the shareholders theory, and the second is the stakeholders theory. So all other theories, such as the co-determination theory, the German theory, the takeover theory, are largely relevant um, for the purpose of bar finance. So the two theories of corporate governance, the first one, um, agency or shareholders theory. So agency or shareholders theory, also it's also called stockholders theory, uh, proceeds that um, shareholders are the principal while the directors of the company are the agents of the company. So the theory proceeds that there's an agency relationship between the principal, which are the shareholders of the company, and their agents, which are the directors of the company. Now, the logic is this. The shareholders provide the capital to run the business, thereby bearing the risk. They appoint directors to use their expertise to fetch high returns on their investments. And thus, the theory says that the best interest of the shareholders should be the major focus of the company. And the best interest of the shareholders is maximum profit. So that is the agency theory. Under this theory, we can see that the main organs, therefore, would be the general meeting of the members and subscribers and you know shareholders in the company on one hand, and the board of directors um, who are then the decision makers of the company on the other hand, so both of them work hand in hand in an agency relationship to maximize profit and returns for the company. So the second theory is the stakeholders theory. And this theory recognizes that there are other persons in the company structure outside the directors and the shareholders that impact meaningfully on the performance and sustainability of the company. So the stakeholders theory is saying that these persons should also form a big part of the considerations of the company. So these persons could include, let's say, the core customers or clients of the company, the host communities, the creditors of the company, and importantly, the employees of the company, long-term employees who like, have acquired valuable skills over time. This kind of people have like benefited from some trainings from the company and they are valuable to the company as much as the company is valuable to them. So these sort of people allow the company to have an ethical face. That is, there are ethical considerations in how a company runs um, its affairs. So the stakeholder theory is saying that the company cannot just look out for its members and directors alone it must look at for all other stakeholders that are important and are affected by the company's action. So mm. this like stakeholders theory is um, 
we can see it in how there is corporate social responsibility obligations of a lot of companies like in today's world. So that is basically like the two theories we have for corporate governance. So corporate governance, definitely it will be governed by setting a legal framework and codes. So what are those? Can you expand on the legal framework and codes for corporate governance? All right. So the legal framework is majorly divided into the major laws and the codes. Um, so for the main laws, we're talking about our normal laws when it comes to corporate law practice, the Com- Companies and Allied Matters Act, the Investment and Securities Act, the um, Financial Reporting Council of Nigeria Act, the Banks and Other Financial Institutions Act, the Central Bank of Nigeria Act, the Insurance Act, and so on and so forth. So um, examples of corporate governance in the Companies and Allied Matters Act um, can be seen, for example, in Section 63, where there are certain actions that cannot be taken without members of a company in general meeting. Actions such as change of name or objects of a company, um, such as capital increase of a company, conversions, mergers, etc. So that is an example of, you know, one of the main laws providing for corporate governance. All right. So also for um, legal framework, and this is very important for corporate governance, we have codes. And for codes, the first question is, since we have laws, why do we need codes? So first of laws um, cannot cater specifically for certain sectors and implementation challenges. And then also laws are very difficult to amend and they take time. So codes allow for like very quick and dynamic response to, you know, happening in various sectors of our economy and various meanings of corporate um, organizations. The recent codes we have um, and their major provisions, we'll just quickly run through them, but please bear in mind that there needs to be an in-depth study of these codes and their provisions for a proper understanding of corporate governance. First, we have the Nigerian Code of Corporate Governance 2018. And this was issued by the Financial Reporting Council of Nigeria, and it came into force um, on the 1st of April 2019. It was issued pursuant to Section 11C and Section 51C of the FRCN Act. You mentioned that we mentioned the FRCN Act earlier. In terms of applicability, the 2018 SCG code is applicable to all public companies. It is applicable to private companies that are holding companies of public companies or regulated entities. Um, It is applicable to concessioned or privatized companies. It is applicable to regulated private companies. And what we mean by this are that, you know, private companies that file returns to any regulatory authority apart from the Corporate Arrest Commission and the Federal Inland Revenue Service. The NCCG Code 2018 has seven parts, parts A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and like several principles. And those principles are with the practices recommended for implementing them. So, for example, part A deals with the board of directors, right? And it, you know, provides for the appointment of an independent non-executive director. So if we look at section 7.2 of the code, we can see that um, for 
somebody to become an independent non-executive director, the person should not hold more than 0.01% of the shares of the company. The person should not be a representative of a substantial shareholder of the company. The person should have not been in employment of the company within the past five years or even currently. And, you know, the person should not be a close family member to a key decision maker of the company. Then we can see the consistency of what the code, you know, seeks out to do is to regulate property companies and make sure that like these companies do not go out of hand. The role of an independent non-executive director is to bring um, objectivity and judgment into the board of directors. Um, another instance we can take from the code is that the managing director is prevented from being a part of some committees like audit committee, remuneration committee, nomination and governance. So I think that we should check some of the other parts of the NCCG. So another important code that we have um, is the Code of Corporate Governance for Finance Companies in Nigeria, which was issued by the Central Bank of Nigeria and came into force um, also on the 1st of April 2019. It applies to finance companies and not only banks. So financial companies, as you know, defined by the banks and other financial institutions are, and even like the preamble to code of corporate governance. Some of the provisions is that the board of directors must have a minimum of five members and a maximum of nine members and 50% of whatever number they choose between five and nine should be non-executive directors. The code also limits family members on a board of of a financial company to two. So what this means is that if, if there's a financial company on the board of directors, you can have more than two family members on that board. Another thing the code says is that there must be at least one independent non-executive director who must be completely detached from the company and should not have any affiliation whatsoever to the company. The person should be there for the purpose of bringing objectivity to the board. Then there should be at least two members of the board that are very, very experienced in banking. And there are other provisions in that particular code were advised to please check, check it out. Now, we also have other sector-based codes. Um, for example, Code of Good Corporate Governance for Banks and Discount Houses, Code of Good Corporate Governance for the Insurance Industry in Nigeria, NCC Code um, of Corporate Governance for the Telecommunication Industry, and so on and so forth. So all of these codes apply to different sectors and companies in several, like, different industries and if someone has a company telecoms company for example apart from the fact that you know the code of corporate governance if the company is a public company would apply to the company if, if it's a telecoms company the code of corporate governance or for the telecommunication industry would also apply the ncc code of corporate governance for the telecommunication industry so i think that is a sufficient you know synopsis of the legal framework for corporate governance in Nigeria. Okay, that's a lot of codes to keep up with, but you know, well, that's body of the Nigerian law school student anyway. So earlier, when we were discussing, under um, the question where we were talking about the best practices for corporate governance, you mentioned stakeholders theory, and then you went on to mention something about corporate social responsibility. Yeah. So question is, what is corporate social responsibility and how does it affect corporate governance? Can you expand on that? 
All right. So there are a lot of ways to characterize corporate social responsibility. But like in a nutshell, what this entails is the system or the model by which a corporate is socially accountable to itself and to the stakeholders of the company and to the public. So CSR is all of those things that a company should put in place to make sure that it doesn't only, um, you know, take from a particular society or a particular country or a particular host community or a set of stakeholders, but it also benefits them in certain ways. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. So corporate social responsibility makes it so that the relationship between companies and you know, stakeholders and the general public is not um, parasitic, but one that benefits everyone and the company can also contribute to the improvement in society. And the relevant sections that has been put in place in different codes and different, you know, laws that we have that borders on corporate social responsibility is geared towards, you know, identifying the needs of stakeholders in a a company and in a in a community that hosts the company and addressing those needs. So stakeholders like the employees of the company, the customers of the company, the creditors of the company, the host community of the company, you know. So when we marry this with what we said earlier, we would see that corporate social responsibility is therefore very, very relevant to you know, the stakeholder theory of corporate governance that a, 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 the responsibility of a corporate entity is not only towards its members and its directors, but towards everybody who is a stakeholder and will be affected by the actions and inactions of that, you know, company. So that is in a nutshell what corporate social responsibility entails. Thank you very much for um, answering that question, Tayo. So in, in essence, what you're trying to say that the essence of corporate social responsibility is to foster a symbiotic relationship between um, companies and their environment, their customers, their creditors, and everybody around them that, so that, such that um, it's sort of a beneficial relationship and not just the company just making money and just everybody else is suffering, which is like really great. So Tayo, um, for the Nigerian law school student, what else should they take note of before, as they prepare for um, law school, as they prepare for bar exams, what else should they take note of as regards corporate um, governance? Yeah, I think that uh, from the questions I've seen, the approach should be um, the applicability of these codes, um, specifically to companies that they can apply to, and also companies in specific sectors of like the corporate world. So, for example, a question that concerns a private company, do you understand, which is not part of like the purview of the NCCG code 2018. And so also for the specific sectors. And I think that the specific sectors can be a little bit dicey. So it is important that we look critically at their codes. So, for example, if I have a telecoms company, what are the additional regulatory uh, provisions in the code in the NCC code that is different from a normal company that is not involved in telecoms. The same thing for an insurance company. The same thing for banks and discount houses. The same thing for you know financial institutions. Uh, provisions such as um, no two family members can be on the board of the company of a financial institution. So provisions such as 
um, there should be a separation between the um, position of the board chairman and the on one hand and the managing director or the chief executive officer on the, on the other hand. So I think those are the things that we could try and, and so on and so forth. We could try and focus on. Thank you, Tayo, for joining us today. It's been a great time with you on this episode. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay, and so our listeners, our choice of topics are based on what you feel in our feedback forms. So when you see it online, don't hesitate to fill the forms. We would love to do more of that so we can talk about topics that you find challenging and topics that you really need to understand or want to understand. Also, feel free to reach out to us through our social media pages on Instagram and Twitter. We are at DigiLawAG if you have questions and suggestions. Till we meet again, stay fit and stay proper. And that's all for today's episode of the Fit and Proper Podcast, a DigiLaw production. For more about DigiLaw, you can check out our website at www.digilaw.com.ng. Follow us on social media. On LinkedIn, we are at DGL Africa. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at DigiLawNG. The Fit and Proper Podcast was hosted by Kemi Ubi and Tayo Jimo. The scriptwriter is Kemi Ubi. Production and editing is handled by Akin Ifanyi Agumbiade, while voiceover is by Fashion Adibi. Until we meet again, stay fit and stay proper.